He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture, theology, life. So, Timothy, I, I, uh, I confess I preached a sermon on this one time, and I'll never forget sometimes, you know, how you have really crazy sermon ideas. I, uh, <laughs> I went to my wife, Melanie, and sometimes when I know I'm thinking a crazy sermon thought, I love telling, having somebody tell me how crazy it is. And I said to her, what do you think about it if I got up on stage because uh, we were worshiping on a stage at that time. Just the church was just starting. And I, I said to her, what if I got up on stage and I preached a five-word ser- five sermon, said amen, and walked off? What do you think? <laughs> you actually consider doing that? <laughs> I don't know how serious I really was about it at the time, but I was thinking about this scripture. I really was thinking about this scripture. Um Maybe that's a good little uh, segue, because last week we talked about how Jonah's two for three so far uh, in the Lord's commands, and we asked ourselves, is he going to show up in Nineveh and do what he's supposed to do? And uh, we find out here in verse four just whether or not he does. Yes, I, I mean, he he starts preaching. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure we love his little sermon or not. We'll have to talk about that. But he he definitely uh, does start preaching. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Now that's one powerful sermon. <laughs> Jonah's warning reached the well, effective at least. Yeah. Well, it's he, the the power of that preaching goes on. He the the Ninevite king rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. I love that little phrase. (laughs) Good idea. (laughs) Pray, everybody. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Jonah goes in one day, you know, he goes into the city and he, and he starts preaching. And, you know, Timothy, we should just back out for a second and make note of something. Uh, If we're going to treat Jonah, uh, this literature here, uh, as satire and we're going to try to notice in the character of Jonah in this book a person who's you know so much like us he's he's a saint and he's a sinner he does at least a couple things right here but then he doesn't quite get it a hundred percent done um, if we're going to interpret Jonah that way 
uh, we're going to approach this sermon in a certain way. I, I know I want to acknowledge something before we start interpreting this sermon a little bit more, and that's that it's always a little bit uncomfortable to critique the prophets. That's an uncomfortable position for us because normally in the Bible, normally, 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 right, we are to hear the words of the prophet, receive them in faith, and um, do what, you know, believe what they're, they're asking us to believe, do what they're asking us to do, etc., 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 right? But Jonah's of a different uh, genre in the Bible. He's not necessarily a prophet that we should emulate, and not necessarily a prophet that we should yeah. imitate. Right, like right? we've been saying through this whole book, right. Mm-hmm. And so we have every right then to approach this, this sermon uh, to this point, and we've looked at all these things in the book of Jonah, with a careful eye, right? We don't necessarily have to say this is exactly, exactly, exactly the way in which God wanted this done. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's the tough thing is like, is this the perfect sermon? You know, is this the way pastors should preach today? Because what he says is, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So some interpreters will look at that, and good, faithful interpreters will look at that and say, that's a beautiful law gospel sermon. You can see the patience of God, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But I don't, I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's really a law gospel sermon right there. And, and there's a little well, bit Well, that's of, like saying you, you, got, you got a little more than a month and you're going to die. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, I don't know. You got it's the pretty, season of Lent and then you're uh, toast. <laughs> yeah, it's, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure that... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, right. That's right. And and there's a little bit of ang- ambiguity here, too. Is like, is this his full sermon or not? Luther thinks that, you know, Jonah expounded on that and he preached a larger sermon. But other interpreters will look at that and say, that's all Jonah said. All he said was five words in Hebrew, eight in English. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Yeah, so... so- that's a good question. Like, is this a summary of the sermon or is this a full sermonette? Um, based on Jonah's history, you know, he's a short-winded guy. You know, he's he's not like me. You know, he... <laughs> yeah. I'm going 30 minutes a Sunday at least and not this guy. Uh-uh. He's done in 10 seconds flat, maybe eight. And, and, and for if we're going to look at this as satire, which we've been doing, and I and I think that's a good thing to do sometimes with the Bible. We have to recognize that sometimes the Bible is satire, and we, we need to acknowledge that and interpret that. So if we're going to interpret this as satire, we're going to want to look at this and say, well, maybe he could have done a better job here. <laughs> well, let's look at it. Let's look at it from a preaching perspective for a second. Uh, when normally when we when we approach a sermon, and this is just just founded on on good scriptural application, good scriptural exegesis, uh, any good prophet is going to um, establish at least attempt to establish his credentials. You know, hey, I, I'm called from God, or or, or whatever, I, I have a right to be here. God's telling me to say this to you, etc. You don't have any of that, you know, not a word, not a word of that. Um, 
in Nineveh. He he doesn't talk about the Lord or the Lord's name at all. Not a word about God's it. not mentioned. Yeah, he's not mentioned. There's no none none of God's characteristics, none of his history. Uh, not a word. God's name is is completely vacant from the sermon. Um, well, there's no he specific law. There's no specific law. He doesn't law. say why. Yeah, he he leaves the people wondering, like, what what did we, why does God want to overthrow why us? Why are we toast? Like, you know, what do we do there's wrong? No, there's no <laughs> prophetic oracle about that at all. Uh, the, and, and and there's no there's no reason to to change. You know, you guys are toast. Oh. Well, well, and the the worst, you know, homiletical sin here is that he doesn't do a, a great long uh, exposition about the mercies and the compassion of God. There's no word of the gospel at all. Well, I mean, you could say like 40 days. That's incredible patience on, on the part of God against a really bad city. Yeah. Um, but it's there's no like out for them. You know what I'm saying? There's Where's no, Christ? Yeah. It's there's no like repent uh, that God uh, that you might understand God's heart and He might relent. You know, none, none of that, none of that. Now, now, admittedly, we're we're going to be humble interpreters here and just say everything that we just said is an argument from silence, which admittedly is the worst kind of argument. But I, th- <laughs> I think, like, let's be humble interpreters about it. But I think that. I, I think that our listeners are going to understand what we're talking about. There's no precedence in the scriptures for for this kind of shortened, um, seemingly unloving preaching from a prophet um, that I can think of. Maybe maybe I'm not thinking of one, but can you think of one? Well, the, the only one that we could compare it to is the message of John the Baptist and Jesus they both said, for, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Now, there's some incredibly good news there, though. You know, yeah, right. That's a little They're, different. You're turning to something. Yeah, yeah. Like there's God is coming into the world and acting. You know, the activity of God is present in front of you, they're saying, and for for your salvation. So it's a little bit different. It's an awful short sermon, though. That's why it came to my mind. Right, right. So this is what Joan is proclaiming. This is what Jonah's proclaiming. It, uh, it perhaps uh, now this this is just me, Timothy. We we're I'm segueing a little bit into a, another preaching because there's really two preachings here in in Jonah chapter three. You have the preaching of Jonah, and then you have the preaching of the king. And and between between you and me, I think the king's a way better preacher. Like I I yeah. go to his church before I went to Jonah's, which sounds terrible, but I I, I, def, I definitely would because he understands the character of God um, in both terms of law and gospel. But I think that the, there's a question that the king asks in his preaching that that shows you that Jonah is failing in his prophetic duty. Say what you want about Jonah's very short sermon. But he's failing in his prophetic duty because he doesn't speak up after verse 9. And because in verse 9 of the scripture, the king asks, in his, in his royal proclamation, he asks, Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And 
any look any christian who hears that question like who knows i'd be like i do <laughs> yeah, shoot up your hand and be like let me tell you you know of course uh, I, I do <laughs> This 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 is a complete failure by the prophets of God. It's it's tan it's tantamount to uh, there's another scene in the Bible. There's another biblical scene that I think is similar to this. Now we're going to find out that the Ninevites believe God, and we're going to discuss that in a second. A second, but it's tantamount to when Judas goes to the people who should have known better and who should have told him, told him the truth. Judas Iscariot he says, I you know I've sinned. Um, against innocent blood and the the leaders the religious leaders who should have preached uh gospel to him at that point they they don't give him yeah. grace what do they say yeah what is that to us yeah what is that to us we don't care no. yeah <laughs> we don't go care. your go your own way and it's tragic tragic stuff and so say what you want about that very short eight word sermon there from jonah but at least in that regard, Jonah is failing in his prophetic duty here. Yeah, well, he 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 really is, and 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 we can see that Jonah's heart's not in it already. In chapter three, there's little hints at it. I think in the in the way that he preaches, in his reluctance to actually speak up. But then it, you got to just keep reading. To a good interpreter, always say, "Well, just keep reading." Is was Jonah's heart in it? Did he actually want them to be saved? And what we're going to find out is no. He actually yeah, we're going to find that out. He actually wanted them all to die. You know, I I think <laughs> I, I'll say this just to paint a picture here that I think a modern reader will understand. I picture Jonah here as really a prophetic Eeyore. <laughs> he, you know, he. <laughs> He's that character in Winnie the Pooh, and he gets out his bullhorn, and he's like, "All right, God, you told me I had to say this message to to Nineveh. That's all I'm going to do, though. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown." Yeah, yeah. he gave he gave them God's words there. He yeah. absolutely performed, but his heart wasn't in it. Right, and 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 that's right. Right there, we gotta we gotta dig into that a little bit because. I, I can see this in myself. Like sometimes we go about our lives really sullenly, really half half-heartedly, really like I don't think I want to be here. I'm pretty stuck in my life. I think we know how Jonah feels. That's what I'm trying to say. So you, we, in other words, there's a we can be in places in life where we are called to be. We know we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do and yet all we're doing is begrudging obedience okay yeah. god you told me i have to be a father fine i'll be a father <laughs> yeah that's what uh, i'm saying and it's and it's sad especially when you when you look at that sullen half-hearted vocational life in 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 the light of like this is a new life that god has given to jonah this is a second chance and, and, and that's just kind of sad. You know, that's just kind of sad that we do that with God's grace. He put us on a beach with a brand new life, and here we are grudgingly going about our lives. You know, what are we supposed to say about that? <laughs> Maybe we can say this is, what an opportunity we all have 
What a new day we all have in repentance and faith when we look at our lives and say, wow, Lord, you, <laughs> you have given us another chance, an undeserved chance to love the people I'm called to in my life. Lord, wow, and you want to do, you want to do important things with my life, even if they look small to my heart, they are important things. And, um, well, I think anyway, we should, we should also say this, like Jonah probably should have listened to his own sermon. Like, it, what do you mean by that? Well, like it, did, did, what we're hearing from Jonah is, is God's heart. You know, this was a message from God. Jonah went about it sullenly, lazily, angrily, you could probably say, but still, this is a message from God. And what God says is that there's 40 more days. You got a limited time to serve God, he was saying. There's a clock on it. There's a TikTok happening, right? Yeah. And that fills every moment with incredible urgency and purpose every single day. There is no reason to go about life uh, half-heartedly. I read a I read a a great quote uh, about we're going into a, this season of the year where we're thinking about Christ's coming. And I read a great quote that I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't, I don't have it memorized, but just a great quote. And, you know, Christ, he told us so many times, we don't know the day or the hour uh, when this world is finally going to be overthrown and God's people are going to go and live with him. And part of the reason for that is so that we work while it's day. Like we get it going on now. Because we might not have tomorrow. We might not have the next hour. We might not have the next minute. And it gives us this incredible sense of urgency to make life count for our Lord who loves us. Yeah, amen. And, and I mean, you think about that, those 40 days, you know, it's a, so many 40 days in the Bible, you, you know. Yeah, all right. And, and what that does to the 39 days leading up to the 40, 40th day. It's there's all kinds of eschatological like um, seriousness that happens, purpose, uh, moral clarity, living uh, with a clock, with the God of the the counting and ticking clock, and and we need that sometimes. We need that sometimes. I I think it's an incredibly powerful thing. I, Sometimes I ask myself that there's a really there's a really morbid thing on the internet and you guys can go find it, but you can go and check out. Um, isn't there a thing called a death clock? Death like you death can clock, put in, yeah. <laughs> you can put in like your your from like when you were born and some of your habits and stuff like that. It'll predict when you're gonna die if you're a smoker or something. And yeah. it's yeah, and it, and it's cr incredibly morbid. But one thing that it does for you is. It makes you grapple with your own mortality. And man, it it makes you think, what am I going to do for the Lord right now that really matters and that is going to make an impact for him while I can? Um, there's And there's a lot of scripture. This is the prayer of Moses, right? That teach me to count my days aright, Lord. Teach yeah. me to do that. My, my heart doesn't naturally do that, do that very well. Yeah. We, but yeah, there you have it. We need that. We need that eschatological, uh, you know, um, driving 
I don't know why I use the word pressure. I'm not sure what the right word is, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's almost like every moment becomes just pregnant with new meaning and new purpose and new moral clarity. Yeah. Like, um, cause this could be the last conversation that I have with my wife, you know, and I don't want it to be an angry one, or this could be, you know what I'm saying? Like there's everything I might never see this person again. And that's always absolutely true with all of our interactions. And, and to, to realize that is, is really a powerful way of living. And that's what Jonah yeah, gave to the Ninevites. We're in the sandals of the Ninevites right now. And that is a powerful, powerful thing. And, and, and Jonah, you know, we can lambast Jonah's sermon all we want, but the power of the word is still the power of the word. You know, oh, it doesn't come from the preacher. Truth comes from God. And that, so like we see the Ninevites, the preacher might have been sullen, half-hearted about it, but there's nothing half-hearted, sullen, or angry about the way the Ninevites react to it. <laughs> this <Right>? is, <laughs> it, this is, this is amazing. The power of the word of God, because that's all that it is. It's not the power of a personality. It's not the power of of the preacher's charisma and man alive. If there's any sermon in the entire Bible that illustrates that more clearly, um, <laughs> you show me, but here, Jonah, uh, I mean, Timothy, can we say this? Uh, some commentators have that this is the most effective preaching in the entire Bible. In the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I Nobody mean, has brought more people, more people to repentance. Uh, in a time in history. Yeah. yeah. So, which is hilarious. That's just hilarious. And it serves Jonah right. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It says, like, the immediate reaction of the Ninevites is this the Ninevites believed God. So it doesn't even say that they believed Jonah, it says they believed God. Yeah. And that's, that's actually the same verb that's used of Abraham that says, and his righteousness was, his, his faith was counted to him as righteousness back in Genesis. It said, Abram believed God. Mm. So do the Ninevites. Yeah. Wow. And, and so now we say that we, we can, oh, wow, we can make a big deal out of this. You know, uh, grace, faith alone right here. The Ninevites believed God right there. They heard, yeah, that's it. They heard the preaching of Jonah. And Jesus talks about this, right? Jesus talks about the repentance of the Ninevites. And he mm -hmm. says that Ninevites are going to stand up at the judgment. Wow. <laughs> the only people standing up at the judgment are the people righteous by faith. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So <laughs> these ancient members of ISIS are going to be there. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? That, yeah, amazing, that's, amazing, that's amazing. a salvation by grace and by faith. The Ninevites believed God. And then they and then they go on to uh, show the their faith with extreme acts of repentance. And this is interesting. So they, they fast. They put on sackcloth, and Ninevite king sits down in the dust. They even put sackcloth on their animals. This is incredible repentance. 
Well, and, and the narrator is really wanting us to think about that. He he uses what, what we call uh, in literature a merism. So he talks about from the greatest of them to the least, So which is an all-inclusive type of thing. So everybody in Nineveh is doing this. They're, they're showing, you know, they're wanting their stomachs to grumble. They want their skin to itch. Um, they, the king from and this is from the top down because the king and this is stunning i mean these be especially for a king of nineveh because kings of nineveh if you look at them historically they're very proud they're incredibly proud all people. kings are it's not just Ninevite kings all kings <laughs> yeah you're right so you have this pagan gentile king he gets up off his throne he takes off his royal robes and there's a lot of you see the narrators putting a lot of time into this He's covering himself with sackcloth, and then he sits down in ashes, which <laughs> you sit down in a fire pit and see how you like it. You know, <laughs> mm. yeah. this is this is humbling stuff. Like he's saying, I belong here in the fire. You know, I belong to be carbon dust because of um, my sin. And you have to remember this. Yeah. This king is the one who set the tone for the whole city. He's the one that celebrated the bloodthirsty, you know, death and stuff like that. And he's now he's saying, I was wrong. And and then this is what I love. I, and, oh, man, I, I love this so much because we've said this already, but there's two preachers uh, in this chapter. One's Jonah and then one's the king. And it's so interesting that he he takes up a pulpit. The king takes up a pulpit and he preaches to his entire city and I think it's an incredible sermon. What do you think about it? Well, all right. It, 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 it's it's an incredible sermon. I don't know if it would have gotten past our seminary. <laughs> but it's, it's definitely, um, it has specific law in it. So he, I mean, good job, Ninevite King. You said give up evil ways and violence. No, Jonah didn't say that. That's right. That's a good idea, you know, to give up evil ways and violence. Everybody agrees with that type of stuff. <laughs> That's a very prophetic thing to do. Yeah. And to say. And, and he, he suggests acts of repentance. I mean, that's a good thing. Fruits of repentance are a good thing. And he, yeah. even, he even, you know, speaks about the compassion of God. He's, he's hoping for it. Well, he speaks, he speaks a word of gospel. God, and it's a, it's a very um, gutted, you might say, a very gutted word of gospel, it, and that's why you were critiquing it. it right. We we preach the gospel in a sure and certain way, and especially in Jesus Christ and based on on his resurrection, we always can. But this guy had no idea. Jonah didn't tell him, and that's our critique. Who knows, he says. But he does. He gives the people what I would call hope against hope. Like maybe, just maybe, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. That was the hope the king gave his people. He gave them the hope of a compassionate God, the hope against hope that they might have a God like that who's dealing with them. So, I mean, this is just beautiful, this whole thing, the repentance of the Ninevites. In fact, a lot of people say that this is just a model for uh, repentance in the Bible. This is it. Like, it starts with faith. It, you, you can see fruits of repentance, and and you really, really mean it. You know, like you go, you and they showed that they really, really meant it, and 
So repentance is is well, contrition and faith. Yeah, I was gonna say we can we can use some of the ancient language that people have used. There's a thing that each Christian has experienced called contrition, and that's terror about judgment. Like you look at yourself and you say, "Whoa, whoa, uh, I I should be getting it here." Oh man, this this because of what I've done, because of who I am, this is not going to turn out well. And but it, it, one thing that we have to emphasize about repentance is, uh, and I think people sometimes understand it wrong, is they think that repentance is only like this this scary. Uh, my heart is sad. My eyes are crying because of my sin. But it's actually faith too. Repentance is not repentance without faith. Uh, it, faith is sure and confident and turns to the Lord for mercy and for compassion. So it's faith that seals the, the deal. Uh, the Apostle Paul talk about this. There's there's a kind of sorrow that you can have about sin and about judgment that doesn't include faith and uh, confidence and hope and that's not going to get you anywhere with god right yeah and so we could probably uh say that we want to add faith to repentance that's that's maybe even the most important part right faith in our savior jesus and i want to say this we have every reason to do that we have every reason to turn our faces to Jesus. We can we can feel the terror of the law. We can feel contrition um, in our hearts and go, oh man, I should be overthrown, you know, to use the words of the prophet here. I should be going down in 40 days. But what we can look at is we can see how Jesus was overthrown instead. Jesus yeah. was overthrown on his cross so we never will be overthrown. Or, 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 or we could say it this way. We, we could just understand the reverse of the gospel. It, it's almost like, you know how in the spring you have to turn over the dirt so that there could be new life? It's, yeah. We'll be overthrown like that. You know, Our sin will be overthrown. Our death will be overthrown. Everything that's wrong with our lives will be overthrown by God's love. It's... It's wow. just a beautiful thing to think about. And we can trust that, you know, we can trust that even in the middle of our sin. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I, I think that kind of brings us all the way back around because uh, the Jonah was told to go preach to Nineveh. Uh, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And you know what? It was. They were. Yeah, it was that, overthrown. That's the beautiful thing about it. They they got overthrown in the best possible way. <laughs> yeah, they that's were right. not the same anymore. Not not Sodom and Gomorrah style, you know, but overthrown in the sense that they came to know the heart of God. They they came to know his love. This is so so beautiful. This is so this is this is a happily ever after kind of thing. <laughs> this is where uh, we could ride off into the sunset and be like Jonah out. Oh, this is beautiful. Uh, God did His work. Nineveh saved. Jonah went. Mm-hmm. He proclaimed the gospel. And in fact, um, most children books, children's books, children's Bibles, 
they end it right here. <laughs> this is it. They don't go any yeah. farther. Um, it's sort of all the loose ends are wrapped up in the book. Um, everything's been resolved. Uh, and, and so you kind of think, oh, well, all right. God was after Nineveh and he got what he wanted. That's it. But he, the Ninevites were saved. We find out the word of God is effective. The prophet preached. Oh, yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> but there's another chapter. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But for right now, we can look at the heart of God. We can look at his powerful, powerful word. That's that's effective because he wants to make it effective, not because the personality behind it is necessarily effective. Um, and you can see his heart uh, bringing people to an understanding of law and gospel, to contrition, all the way um, to some kind of faith. And we can say this, he's not done with Jonah either. He's done with Nineveh, but he's not done with Jonah. He's got some work to do yet. Maybe we should say we do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds a lot like us. More next week. We are podcasting scripture one book of the Bible at a time. For more information, visit www.project1517.com or our Facebook page. We do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on iTunes. You can also help with the costs of its production by giving a gift on our website. This is Project 1517, Scripture, Theology, Life.